This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this week's episode, I'm talking to Lazelle Sambury, whose newest book, Blood Like Magic, is out now. came out on June the 15th, and we get into uh, what was behind this book. Uh, this is her debut, so everything that went into her wanting to become a writer and how she was influenced and just the different steps on the way. We get into you know, her YouTube page that she has that you can check out and uh, all the usual topics. Uh, but it was this was a great conversation. I enjoyed talking to Lizelle. Hope you enjoy listening to it. So with that, listen in. So Lizelle, what book hooked you? So I thought about this and it's funny because this is a series that I had totally forgotten how much I had loved it until I was thinking back. I was working on a horror novel and I was like, why am I interested in this? And I was like, I don't think I read that much horror when I was a kid. And then I remembered this series. Uh, So it was the saga of Darren Sean. I think now they just call it the Cirque de Freak series. Um, But it was written by Darren Sean. um, And it was very posed like, this is my real life story of me becoming a vampire. And as a kid, like that completely hooked me because I was like, wow, this is like his true life being a vampire because I was like peak naive child. And I was like, who would lie about that? Um, But it was about this boy named Darren Sean. And he has this friend named Steve, who's like kind of a bad influence. His parents don't really like him hanging out with him. He's got like not a great home life, but they're friends anyway. And they decide to go to this freak show together. Um, Darren is convinced to sneak out. So you see even more how this is probably not the greatest friend, but it's entertaining as a child. Um, And they go to this freak show and it turns out that Steve actually wanted to go because there's a performer there who he says is a vampire and he wants to become a vampire. And this is all very shocking for Darren. Um, And it just like unravels from there. But uh, Darren is the one who becomes a vampire instead. Mm. And so with this book, do you remember like age-wise, like where in your life you were when you you started reading this? I feel like I was like 11 or 12, which like possibly I should have been more skeptical Mm. at that age. (laughs) But it took me a couple books to be like, oh, this is definitely not this person's real life. This is an author. But by then I was already hooked really deep into it. But I had just kind of seen it on the library bookshelf Um, around that age in middle school. I was volunteering in the library. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of there on a regular basis, scoping out what was there. And it had this like all black cover, except for like this really vibrant spider on it and I don't even like spiders but it was just (laughs) cool (laughs) and I picked it up and saw it was about vampires and I was like okay and that was the only series that I finished when I was that age and it was 12 books so it wasn't even like a small series but I was so addicted to it that I read all of those books whereas like a lot of series I gave up on because I would get to a point and I'd be like too many books. I can't do it anymore. So it sounds like between, you know, getting into this series and the fact that you mentioned how you volunteered at the library in middle school, that 
I'm making the assumption that you were a, a huge reader as a kid. It's actually funny because I always think of myself as not being that big of a reader as a kid, but I think I was. I just didn't always read what everybody else was reading. Um, like when kids were reading Goosebumps books, I was reading like the cat dog chapter books that were based on the cartoon um, and things like that. I was just picking up whatever book I thought was interesting. Um, these series of unfortunate events, which I actually have behind me now, I'm rereading because I'm trying to finish it. But I gave up on that about book five, <laughs> um, whereas like other kids my age were continuing on with it. Um, something about this being so like, it was, it felt different. Like it was a little bit gory. It was a little bit gross. I've always loved horror movies and things like that. And it felt different. Like I loved all of the different things he did with vampires. Um, like there were the vampires and then there were the vampanese who were their enemies. And so the good vampires drank blood without killing humans, but the vampanese always killed humans basically. Um, and there was that war going on, but then Darren also didn't want to drink anyone's blood at all. He very much did not want to be a vampire. And that was really uh, entertaining to me. I like that. I like that he didn't really want it, but he was still in that world. Mm. And so when you transitioned more into high school, uh, how did your book taste develop? Did you read more? Did you, because of Darren Sean, did you get more into Twilight at that point? Or did adolescents kind of get too busy and kind of books and reading fell more by the wayside? Give me kind of a sense of of adolescence for you? It's interesting because I did go straight into Twilight and I never made the connection between the Darren Sean books and Twilight until I was way older. Mm -hmm. um, but it was the same thing. I had seen a all black cover with a vibrant <laughs> graphic in the middle and my brain went, yes, that's the book for us. And then I didn't even make that connection, but I was totally into it. I was fully a Twilight that was the first author signing I had ever gone to okay. because I was so into the books and I had read them all and I tried to make all my friends read them. Um, and I read a few other vampire books too. I was like very into the vampire thing. And then during Twilight, I like swapped over to werewolves hmm. just randomly. <laughs> so did you basically switch Twilight teams? Like you started Team Edward and then made the move at some point? You know what? I was always Team Edward with the books, but then the movies came out and then I was Team Jacob. Things switched <laughs> <laughs> rapidly. And so with uh, the steady stream of books, it seems like you were you were getting through and and the paranormal aspect of it. At what point were you thinking or trying to create your own stories in some way? Um. Uh, probably well I started doing my own stories when I was 13 um, I had always had these stories in my head and I had been dealing with some bullying in school and so I started writing them down kind of as a release that way I sat and I paid attention to the words and I wasn't so caught up in things that were happening at school and I kind of did that very loosely I never really tried to write a novel um, until after reading Twilight because I had liked the werewolves and I had wanted more of that mm. and so I decided to write a werewolf book at that point which was a very large ripoff <laughs> but it got me into novel writing at that point um, 
I definitely always loved paranormal and mm. fantasy, and that's definitely one I what I wanted to explore in my own stories. So at what point, since you loved books and you started kind of dabbling in writing, at what point did you take it seriously? At what point did you say, you know what, I want to pursue writing and, you know, to be published, essentially? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was definitely around when I was 16, because when I was 15, I had joined a writing club in my high school. And through joining that, that was the first time I had ever shared my work with anyone else, had ever read anything aloud or gotten any sort of feedback. And even though, you know, you get both positive and negative feedback, the fact that I got positive feedback at all was a really big booster to my confidence and to me realizing, hey, maybe I could get a book published and try and write a novel and try and get that published. Um, I was in a very serious academic program, so I never thought I want to be an author because for some reason I had this idea in my head that if you tried to live as an author, you would have nothing, you'd make no money, you would be like scavenging to live. Sure. Um, I feel like that was a media influence because my family never said anything like that mm -hmm. to me, but I felt that it wasn't like a quote unquote real career because I was in this vigorous academic program that really was like, you go to university and then you get this degree and then you get a job. Um, but I still wanted to have a book published mm. alongside that. And so that was kind of my goal in novel writing was I wanted to publish books on the side and that was my big dream. And so you're doing that. When did you, was that, werewolf book back in high school your first successful attempt at writing like a what would be considered a full-length novel or when were you able to kind of complete your first manuscript yes so I worked on that book from when I was 16 until I was 18 in my first year of university was when I was kind of like I want to absolutely finish this and I buckled down and I finished it um I did very little editing on it. At that point, I didn't understand what editing was. I thought it was like checking over your grammar and like making sure you didn't have spelling mistakes. Um, and I threw that out to agents with very little research. And uh, unsurprisingly, no one responded to me. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take a break from novel writing. And I was just so busy in university. And so I switched over to doing adult literary short stories. And I had kind of just done that throughout my university career because I could kind of do it on and off. I wasn't committing to mm -hmm. a novel because I just could not handle both right. the school workload and that. So when college or university ends, does your and time, does time open up and does the, does the itch to get back to novel writing hit you or how did you get back into the idea of being a published novelist? Mm -hmm. So uh, when I finished university, I did one more year of college. And then after that, I had started a job that was essentially kind of like a desk job where I was a warm body to answer mm -hmm. the phone. Sure. And I suddenly didn't have homework. I had all this spare time. And I decided to get back into reading because when I was at 
university, I hadn't read either. Um, it was like school workload. Plus I like had a very robust social life, which I had previously never had. Uh, and so I didn't have time for writing or books really. Um, but when I was out of school, I got back into reading and I started reading book blogs and getting involved in the book community. I revitalized my Twitter, which had previously only been used to live tweet as I watched episodes of Jory Shore. And I started tweeting about books and getting engaged in that. And some of those book bloggers were also writers. Um, I remember in particular Kate from Paper Fury, um, who's written a few books as well. Um, a Thousand Perfect Notes and The Boy Who Steals Houses are her books. Um, and she was writing and I was like, oh yeah, I also really enjoyed writing. And that was when I kind of decided to do proper research to learn more about the industry and like give a new novel a shot. Mm. And so in that kind of self-discovery, uh, self-research, thinking about, you know, really becoming serious about becoming a writer, what did you see yourself being the writer of? Did it kind of click automatically that you were going to be YA and it was going to be uh, supernatural elements within it? Or did you, how did you kind of come towards, come to that? Yeah, um, absolutely. That's where my brain went. Um, that's because that's what was I, what I was reading almost exclusively. I was mm -hmm. reading fantasy and sci-fi and reading it entirely in young adult and so it just felt natural to me to go straight to that especially because when I was in university the adult literary short fiction it really didn't feel like that was something I wanted to do it wasn't that I hated it or didn't like it it was just that I got so much more joy from doing young adult fantasy and sci-fi and so that naturally to me I went straight back to that I decided to avoid werewolves because <laughs> things had gone poorly sure. before yes. um and I had hopped into witches and my second book was also a book about witches hmm. and uh your current book which is your current book uh the one you're here to talk about that second book it's the third book okay well let's start since I mentioned it, why don't we jump into it and then we can kind of backtrack a little bit. So uh, your debut, uh, Blood Like Magic, uh, is out now uh, as of when people are hearing this. So let's we'll talk about it and start off by telling me what the book's about. Absolutely. So Blood Like Magic is about a family of Black witches living in a near future Toronto. In particular, it's about 16-year-old Voya Thomas, who unfortunately fails the task to come into her magic. And her ancestor gives her one more shot at it, except this time she has to choose between killing her first love or losing her family's magic forever. And because she's never been in love, she kind of has to find a way to do that very quickly. And a very fancy genetics company releases a matchmaking program that promises to help you find your perfect match using genetic data. And she hops on that. Uh, but unfortunately, the boy she's matched with is someone she hasn't had a very good interaction with in the past. And it's kind of snowballs from there. And so when I... Uh... When I hear you describe it, it's such like a hooky kind of concept plot uh, that like I feel like a reader will instantly kind of 
uh, get excited to read it because you can already see the kind of the conflict and the choices that the that the main character is going to have to you know make and the crossroads uh, they might come to, and yet there's still kind of plenty of room for surprise at the same time. So when or how did you kind of come to this idea? What was the first thing that really got you started writing it? Yeah, so I was living um, where I live now, actually, in northern Ontario, but for the very first time. And I was starting a new field. I had switched from the field of assistant speech pathology into social media marketing. And I was an intern. I was trying to get my feet wet. And it was the combination of that and being away from Toronto, which is my hometown, uh, that I started to get really nostalgic for it. And I really missed it. And NaNoWriMo came around and I do always try and do NaNoWriMo when I can. And I had actually started writing a book about uh, death reapers. And about a week into it, I really wasn't feeling it at all. And I was still so very homesick. And I was like, you know what? I wanna write a book set in Toronto and I wanna do that. And I was like, what would it be about? And A Family of Black Witches was the first thing that just like exploded in my mind. I've always loved witch books, even though I was like, wow, Lizelle, are we gonna write another witch book? And I was like, yes we have to write another witch book. Um, and then I just said in the future, cause that just seemed fun. And I'm really glad that I did because it gave me something really dynamic to work with. And it was so interesting to imagine how like a magic community would function in a high tech community. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned uh, this is your, essentially your second witch book. Um, with the with the first attempt you had at at writing a story about witches, did was that a book that you also tried to send out to agents? Did you have any luck there, or what did you kind of learn from that experience that you were able to put into Blood Like Magic? Yeah, so my second witch book, I had queried on and off for two years, um, and it was really only after I had like quote unquote failed or given up on querying and shelved the book that I had realized that it had a lot of problematic elements in it. Um, Some things had been brought up while I was submitting to contests and things and I had kept trying to fix it until I kind of realized I was just writing very much outside of my lane. Um, It wasn't really my story to tell. Um, I had written a disabled protagonist um, because at the time I was like, I don't really see that in fantasy. And then later I understood they don't need me to do that for them. They can write their own fantasies um, and put that out into the world. And so when I went into my next witch book, um, I really decided to write from my perspective and to write something that was really true to my experience. And I think it turned out a lot better for that. Um, I feel so connected to the story that I've put together. There is a lot of me in it. And I was really happy that this is my debut because this feels Hmm. so much more representative of me and my work. Hmm. And when you were first kind of uh, plotting out this book or thinking through this book, because as you uh, were talking about, it sounds like, you know, there's, there's obviously romantic elements, whether that ends up being enemies to lovers or, or, or things of, of that nature. Did you go into it uh, when you were sort of plotting it out, thinking it out that this was going to have that romance subplot in it? 
or did that just kind of fall into place as you were uh, working out uh, the story for this book? Mm -hmm. As I remember it, because things are fuzzy, because this was in 2017, <laughs> my memory is not great. But as I remember it, I had put that element in quite early on um, because uh, when I had originally been thinking of the book, I had had this scene in mind where this boy had kind of snuck into the main character's room and they had really liked each other, but there was some sort of conflict that was making it very, very difficult for them to be together. Um, and that had made that whole experience also very awkward. And I had kind of thought on that. And what came out of that was what if she had to kill him and what would be the reason that that would be worth it for her or that she would even entertain that idea. And that came up with what if her entire family's magic was on the line um, and their history that's so like entrenched in them having this power. What if they would lose that all if she didn't do that? And so from there, it was a lot of figuring out the magic rules and rejigging things to kind of understand as to why she would have to do this. And so then I had to think of, okay, what about this thing that witches have to do to come into their magic? Can I pull that into it? And then it was figuring out, do other witches have to do this or is it just her? And that's when it became a bigger ceremony. And why hers kind of goes awry and hers is special and her failure is particularly impactful to the story, um, especially to exist in a world for her in which there's this thing that everybody else seems to be able to do that she couldn't do. And now she's got this second chance to do it right. And it's even harder. Hmm. And we sort of talked about, you know, some of the books that really influenced your, your early writing attempts uh, that centered around werewolves, but were there books centered around witches that sort of started to pique your interest in that caused you to start modeling your stories centered around witches, whether that's books or movies or television, anything along those lines? Yeah, well, at the time, I was like a huge Harry Potter fan. Um, now that's got a bit of a, sure. you know... <laughs> I very much disagree with the author's stance on uh, trans people and lives. And so that's kind of negatively colored the experience a bit, but that was definitely a big influence. You know, I was that generation where you'd go to the midnight release when the book came out and you'd dress up and you'd do all of that stuff. So I think it became part of that paranormal hub, like witches and werewolves and vampires like all that urban fantasy stuff contemporary fantasy has always been like my greatest love and so to me all of those just wrap together and ghosts as well i also really love ghosts and that was part of the whole <laughs> paranormal hub and so uh you with this book did because you spent, you said on uh, your with the previous witch book, you spent about two years trying to work that and and query it and and do different things with it. Was the process of this book because it, you said it felt so much more connected to it? Was the process of sending it out to agents or getting it out there was a lot shorter? Did it seem to uh, take much more quickly than uh, your previous attempt? So the actual querying itself was shorter, but 
this time, something I did learn from my second book was I needed to edit more before I before I showed it to people. Because my mistake with my second book is I would edit it some and then I'd send it out to agents and then I'd get feedback and then I edit it more and then I'd send it out again. And by the time I was on my last round of agents, that's when I had finally edited it to a point where it was, you know, at least in terms of writing quality at its best quality but I had done that when I had already exhausted so many agents. And so when I wrote Blood Like Magic, because I had loved it so much and it felt so much like the book of my heart, I told myself, you have to edit this for a year. No matter what, edit it for a full year and not an agent sees it until you've spent a year on it. Um, And I stuck to that. I edited it on and off. I sent it to beta readers and CPs. And then I got into a program called RevPit, which is where a freelance editor helps you polish your manuscript. And when that program finished, I was like a week away from my year mark. Mm. But Pitch Wars was uh, not Pitch Wars, um, Pit Mad, which is a Twitter pitch contest, was happening that day. And I was like, okay, we can give ourselves a week grace. <laughs> we can start querying now. Um, and then a month and a half later, I had signed with my current agent, Christy Hunter at the night agency. So the actual querying itself was much faster, but the length I spent Mm. beforehand was still about a year. That's great. And so with being a writer, there's obviously the, the task of, of writing the book and getting, uh, the story told, but also then the other side and what we're doing right now is promoting uh, that book because of some of your day job experience in social media and things like that. Is this part side of, of being an author uh, a little bit easier for you? It certainly feels more comfortable. There are some things that I feel more equipped to do. Um, Like I know, you know, when you post a photo on social media, on Instagram, if you make it in this orientation, like people will see it better than if you make it like this other orientation. And when I make my videos for promotion, I make them in all different sizes for specific social media platforms and that sort of thing. But I think it also helped me a lot with the being realistic about Mm -hmm. what I do and like the scope of what my social media can create, because I know that it's difficult to tie your social media efforts to your book sales um, versus like your publisher that is able to tie that a lot more firmly. So I think that helped me in being more open to when people say, you know, ask your publisher for all these things you want. Don't immediately try and do them all yourself, um, which was really helpful for me and really great because I have a great publisher that has agreed to do a bunch of things for me. Um, So I think that also helped me in that I know for my own social media, I know how overwhelming it can get very easily and how fast you can burn out trying to do everything yourself. And so I think in that way, it was helpful. Um, My background just tells me it's like, focus your efforts Mm. on certain things. Don't try and do everything. because you're one person, you're not a giant team. You know, when I've worked in social media marketing, I've worked with large teams. You know, we had specialized video editors and we had people that did this and that and like this huge collaborative effort. And that's really what promoting a book should be too, right? That big collaborative effort with your publisher to get, you know, your best return on investment. So I think that was really helpful in that way. But also I just generally feel comfortable with social media 
I know that I don't have to be on every single platform. I tried TikTok briefly and I was like, this is a thing I will do extremely rarely. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, that sort of comfort and um, it was helpful in, you know, having comfort on YouTube. That's something I really enjoy doing. And I think that's the thing about social media. You got to stick to what is really enjoyable for you. And that makes you happy because, you know, if you're on there and you hate it, people can feel you're on there because you hate it. <laughs> sure. That makes perfect sense. And yeah, I do want to uh, shout out your YouTube channel. Is that something, how, how have you approached that? Like when you were thinking about, um, is it something you had thought of and then said, okay, I also have things to promote and things I'd, that might be helpful. How did you think about uh, what your YouTube channel would look like when you were kind of planning and thinking it over as to whether or not you wanted to do it? Mm -hmm. When I decided to do my YouTube channel, it was very much because I wanted to learn about video production. I wanted to learn about like how to put videos together and how to cut them. That was connected to me working in social media and marketing. That was another skill I wanted because I wanted to eventually see if I could pivot my career in that direction. Mm. Um, of course, now I've just pivoted into writing, but <laughs> at the time, that's what I had thought. And I had watched so many videos from other authors and writers about their experiences. And I thought it would be fun just to share my own. Um, I definitely thought, you know, when I have a book, I'll promote it on the channel, but I've never thought of YouTube as like the thing that would sell books. Um, I've just kind of thought of it as I'm already doing it. And if you bought a book because you saw me on here, that's awesome. But I'm really there to kind of just like share my journey and share how that's been for me, because that's what I loved to watch. Um, you know, I love seeing people's like how I got my agent videos and I loved reading blog posts where people would talk about their writing experiences. And it was just kind of an outlet for me to share that and kind of be creative and learn about how to put videos together. Great. Awesome. I like that a lot. Well, let's wind down things. And as we do, I'll ask you a few questions. The first question being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? So I'm going to go very specific and say the second Hunger Games movie. Okay. Um, I'm a huge Hunger Games stan. Lo absolutely love the books. Um, I read the first book in a day and then I said, oh, wow, I should have bought all three. And then I had to go back to the bookstore to buy the other two. Um, but I've always loved Catching Fire um, because I'm a big Katniss Peta shipper. And so <laughs> that was like the extra Katniss Peta one. And so I've always loved that movie in particular. I will go back and I'll watch the movie and I'll just skip to the Katniss Peta <laughs> moments. And that's how I'll watch the whole movie um but i've rewatched it so many times that's definitely my favorite great next question what book or series are you willing to admit you've either never read or never finished so i will admit that i have not finished the moral instruments series by cassie claire uh when i was a teenager that was another one of the series i read i read books one to three and mm -hmm. i thought it was done and I felt really proud of myself <laughs> for finishing the series. Oh, no. No. And then uh, I was in university. And it was like, oh, there's a fourth book now. 
And I got the fourth book, but I was so busy. I wasn't really reading during that time. And by the time I was ready to read the fourth book, they were like, oh, there's going to be a fifth book. And I just couldn't. <laughs> it's just the idea of having to catch up that much with two books was overwhelming. And now there's like 13, 14 books. And I feel so overwhelmed by the scope of it <laughs> that I've never even finished the first series. But I really loved them when I read them. I just, it was a lot. Understandable, understandable. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? So the last great book that I've read was Ray Bearer by Jordan Nefreco. Um, It's about a girl named Teresai who has like lived this very secluded life and the only person that shows her any affection um, is her mother and she comes very infrequently um, and then one day her mother comes and she shows her a picture of a boy and says you have to kill this boy um, and she sends her off to the palace to participate in this competition to become um, the prince's like I forget what the group is called, but they're part of a group and they basically protect him and they're all connected to him. Um, and they are the only people that can kill him. Um, and so that's why you have to be very trusted people. Um, and Teresai gets there um, and they test her. They want to make sure that she's safe. And of course, she says she passes all of their tests um, because she doesn't know who that boy is. And then she realizes later that it's the prince. Um, but her mother never said the prince, so she didn't know. And now she kind of gets to know him and becomes really good friends with him all the while in the back of her mind, knowing that this is someone she has to kill. Um, and I'm sure you can tell from my book that I love that. <laughs> I love the whole trope of like having to kill this person that you actually care a lot about. I don't know what that says about me, sure. but I absolutely love that trope. And it's just so cool. It's got this great found family. It's got super cool world building. I'm always in awe of high fantasy writers because I need the grounding of the real world to help me. Um, but uh, Jordan's just built this absolutely beautiful world. And I'm so excited for the second book coming out this year. Great. Well, Lizelle, uh, Blood Like Magic is out now. Congratulations. And I wish you in this book all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And with that, we wrap up another episode. I want to thank Lizelle for joining me again. Her debut, Blood Like Magic, is out right now. So I hope you'll give that a look. Hope you also take a look at some of our other interviews with some YA and middle grade authors, as well as some we have coming up for you uh, later on this summer. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading. <laughs>